discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified. hand we give you honor we give you glory we give you praise thank you for the assembling of your people thank you that we are the mount zion wherein you have loved for the lord has chosen zion and he has desired it for his habitation glorious things are spoken of thee O city of god Glorious things are spoken of thee. Glorious things are spoken of thee. Thank you, blessed Holy Spirit. Thank you, blessed Holy Spirit. Thank you, blessed Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. To him alone be glory. We hand over this bit into your hands, blessed Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. For the eternal world all around us. We bless you. And we honor you. In Jesus' name, the Son of God. Hallelujah. So tonight, I'm speaking on the subject, Philadelphia. Say Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Hallelujah. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. By the end of this service, everyone should be able to memorize this verse. <laughs> it says, let brotherly love continue. One more time, can we all say it corporately? One, go. Let brotherly love continue. One more time. Let brotherly love continue. Shout it for the last time. Let brotherly love continue. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let brotherly love. The former one was better than this one. So you see, the words brotherly love, brotherly love is the word Philadelphia. Okay, so actually in the Greek, let Philadelphia continue. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you read it in the Greek, let Philadelphia continue. So Philadelphia must continue. Let Philadelphia continue. What is Philadelphia? Now, Philadelphia simply means brotherly love. Brotherly love. But I know there are, there are places in this world called Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where it came from. It's from two words put together or compounded together. Filio Adelphos. Filio Adelphos. Now, Filio is the word for love and Adelphos is the word for brothers or brother. Filio Adelphos. Filio Adelphos. A-D-E-L-P-H-O-S. Okay. So, brotherly love, filio adelphos. Now, filio is a word for love. And you may be thinking, what about agape? 
Agape love is a source of filial. Agape love is a source of filial. Filial actually speaks of friendship, friendliness, being fond of each other, being fond of each other, friendliness amongst us. It speaks of love and care, care and concern with each other. The warmth, the love, the cordiality, the fondness, the friendship, the care, you know, amongst us. That's the word filial. But in the Bible, agape, which is God's love, or it's sacrificial in nature, actually begets or actually gives birth to filial. Praise God. Because when Jesus was on earth, he manifested filial. Do you remember that in the book of John, John has a way of describing himself. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loves. We've seen that before. If I want to start describing it, you, you, you may be wondering, so what is John, who, who is John really speaking about? Until the last one, John now introduces, introduces himself that he is that disciple. <laughs> now, he mentions that he uses that expression five times for himself. Five times. The disciple whom Jesus loves. The disciple whom Jesus loves. But actually, the first four times he used the word agape. The first four times. The disciple whom Jesus agape. But the last one was the disciple whom Jesus filio. In the Greek. He's saying that Jesus doesn't only love me with the sacrificial love, but Jesus is fond of me. You know, he likes me. He likes my friendship. <laughs> Praise God. So John was a friend to Jesus, or Jesus was a friend to John. Praise God. So friendship and care for each other is very important. God holds a premium in a church life. So much that, do you know that? Do you remember when uh, Jesus was restoring Peter, he asked Peter, uh, Simon Peter, do you love me? Love us down me. Do you, do you remember yeah. in John 20? Love us down me. Then he said, Lord, I love you. Then he said, what? Feed my sheep. Then he asked again a second time, do you love me? Love us down me. Then he said, feed my sheep. How many of you remember that? Then the third time, he asked again, do you love me? Jesus said, sorry, the first one was feed my lambs, then feed my sheep, then feed my sheep. Praise God. Now the first one, Jesus said, so Simon Peter, do you agape me? And Peter replied, Lord, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> then Jesus asked again, so Simon Peter, do you agape me? And his answer the second time was, Lord, I feel you. Then the third time, Jesus asks, do you feel your me? Can you imagine? He said, Lord, you know all things. <laughs> and I feel you. And he said, feed my sheep. So the feed my sheep was contingent, not even on agape, but on the filio. So you feel your me, then feed my lambs. So you being a shepherd is contingent on your friendship with Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Friends of Jesus, if you are his friend, he'll make you a shepherd right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, do you feel me? The answer is, Lord, Lord, I'm fond of you as a friend. Do you love me with that sacrificial kind of love? He said, oh, Lord, I'm fond of you as a friend. He said, still, you, you feed my lambs. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, there, there are seven churches in Asia, and the Lord sent a letter through John, and one of them was called Philadelphia. And amazing, that church had no rebuke. Because why? It was the Philadelphia church. They were walking in brotherly love. The love of the brethren was strong. And where love prevails, there was no rebuke. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. And the fact that God has sent me to talk to you about Philadelphia, I suspect that you are going to be the Philadelphia church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I'm going to see Philadelphia manifested in this in the in the Conum church. I pray to start from here and spread to other branches. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because God has a purpose for whatever he does. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. What is love? Now, love is the manifestation of the divine life. Love is the manifestation of the divine life. Why do I say that? Remember that there is God has his life and man has his life. There is a divine life and there is a human life. The human life, the life of the human being. When the human life is manifested, what we see is selfishness. You see, man is selfish, nat- naturally selfish. If you want to see selfishness, go to Kejitia. <laughs> or go to Asafu. It's how people are, everyone is thinking of himself. Or just even being on the road, it's not easy. Uh-huh. So, selfishness is man's nature. Is the manifestation of the human life. Man, self, man is self-centered. Self-preoccupied, self-focused. Everything is about me, 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 I, me and myself. But the divine life, when it is manifested, what we see is love. Love. Love is a how do you know that God's life is operating? Life is manifesting. Love. When God's life is manifested, what you see expressed, what you see is L-O-V-E. Praise God. That's what you see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, if you want to see someone walking in the spirit, what is the evidence? How do you know that someone is walking in the spirit? Is it by the person walking every day on the street? <laughs> and he just touched and he will insult you right now. He will forget that he's even praying. My those days, I used to have this friend. He was actually my convert. I'll be going to visit him. And I'll see him afar off. He will be standing there watching and talking. The instant he spots that I'm coming, and I'll come and hit, I'll come and stand by, by his side. I know he has seen me, but he wouldn't mind me. And I'll start tapping him. Still, he's not here. Like he's caught up in the spirit. <laughs> So I had to hit him hard. Then, oh, oh, oh. Then he'll say, oh, I didn't know you are here. <laughs> then he'll say, I didn't know you are here. Wow. But it doesn't matter. He was a convert. Hallelujah. <laughs> he grew out of it. <laughs> but that doesn't mean. So walking in the spirit, what is the first proof that a man is in the spirit? Love. Love is the first fruit of the spirit. Love is the first fruit of the spirit. The Bible says the fruit of the spirit is love. Or the fruitage of the spirit is love. So the proof that someone is working in the spirit is love. Love. If someone works in love, he's really, really, really a spiritual man. The person is working in the spirit. Now, when you become a believer, there are two signs, or there are two things that testifies that one has become a believer. Two things. Number one, he has faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And number two, he has love towards the brethren. Now, without these two things, you are not a believer. Faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ and love towards the brethren. Look at Paul's epistles. Paul's writing, Ephesus, and when I heard of your faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ and love towards one another, it's always like that. 
Colossians, the same thing. Thessalonians. Always it is faith upward. So it is vertical and horizontal. You see, vertically, faith towards Jesus. Horizontally, love towards the brethren. These are the two proofs that you are born again. Or you have the life of God. Because the Bible tells us in 1 John 3 verse 14, and we know, the Bible says we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. I don't know how many of you know that. We know, we know, we know that we have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life, God's life, God's eternal, indissoluble, transcendent, divine life. We know we have passed, there has been a Passover from spiritual death to spiritual life. Why? Because we love the brethren. So the evidence of the divine life is love for the brethren. It's not a condition for the divine life. It's the evidence. So we know. Because if I believe loving your brother is not difficult. It's easy. The love is within because hope maketh not ashamed. The love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit that is given to us. So love is already shown in our heart. So loving the brethren becomes so easy. Seeing that you have obeyed the truth through the Spirit unto the unfeigned love of the brethren. First Peter 1 verse 22. You have obeyed the truth through the Spirit. You see, unto the unfeigned love of the brethren. The Bible calls it the sincere love of the brethren. And they were, they were the sincere Adelphos. When you were born again, purifying your souls and obeying the truth is a word for being born again. I don't want to go into that. That is receiving the gospel. We obey the truth of the gospel. And when we came into the faith, he calls that obedience, obeying the truth through the spirit. We were brought into the sincere love of the brethren, to the Adel, how do you call it, the Philadelphia, sincere Philadelphia. Sometimes people love themselves, but it's not sincere. But we have positionally been brought into, into the sincere Philadelphia. To sincerely love each other without pretense, without hypocrisy, we have been brought into that realm. So now that we are positionally in that realm, the Bible says that see that you love each other. <laughs> Hallelujah. One another with a pure heart, fervently. So we know. And, and John says, We know, we know, we know. Because love is in our heart. Love is pouring forth out of our heart. And we know that this is the evidence of the divine life. We know it. We know it. We can love. Not the human kind of love. You greet me, I greet you. You give me, I give you. No. The love that can withstand offenses, the love that can withstand bitterness, the love that can love in the midst of pain and hatred, that's the divine love. Hallelujah. So we know, we know, we know, we know, we know. How many of you know? How many of you testify to John? Say, I know. I know. Hallelujah. Now, to walk in love is to discern the lost body. There are two ways we discern the lost body. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 29, there are two ways we discern the lost body. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the lost body. Now, this one is talking about communion and another thing. And the next verse. Verse 30. For this reason, or for this cause, many are weak, sickly among you, and many, many sleep, or many have died prematurely. He's saying that there are two reasons why in the church, many believers are weak, and many believers are sick, and some believers die prematurely. Some die at 40, some die at 50. They don't leave their full scale, 
full purpose why they die even in the church he says there are two it's because of, of one reason not discerning the lord's body praise god why many how many of you want to be strong healthy and have long life and immortality then listen to me carefully because the reason why many die before their time many become weak then sick then they go they go to heaven before time <laughs> if you should have fulfilled your purpose at 100 they go at 50 will be with jesus for eternity so why do you want to rush and go whilst your work is not finished <laughs> Yeah, because your work must be finished before. <laughs> Two reasons. Not designing the Lord's body. And you know why? The first is designing the Lord's physical body. The communion is the bread and the wine. We don't design the wine. We design the bread. We don't need to design the wine. Because Jesus himself said, This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So Jesus himself said, this is for the remission of sins, so we don't need to design it, because we all understand. Because the reason for the cup is because our sins have been forgiven. But what is the reason for the body? Because the reason for the body is not vividly explained, you have to know by revelation what the body is meant for. So we design the body, not the, because we know the blood is for forgiveness, but what about the body? The body is for our health and for our healing. So you design as you break. You see Jesus' body broken for you. So by designing and by discernment, you take it and something happens to your body. Praise God. But secondly, the lost body is not just a physical body. The lost body is a mystical body called the church. All of us together, we form his body. For as the body is one and the members of that one body, being many are one, so also is Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12. So then we are the, mem- we are the body of Christ and the members in particular. Verse 27. The Bible says we are the members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. You see. So, how do you design his mystical body? Love. 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 And I'll touch on it later. Love. Why do I say that? When you don't walk in love, you can become weak, you can become sick, and you can die prematurely. If you don't walk in love. Now listen. As soon as we are born again, we have been brought into a realm. You see, we have been translated from the authority of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. It is deadly to step out of the realm of love. Deadly. Now, if you step out of love, you cut the flow of the divine life. And when you cut the flow of the divine life, weakness occurs. It degenerates into sickness, then even death. It is compared to the human body. When there is a cut in the flow of oxygen, the supply of oxygen to the body, within a few minutes, the cells in your body begins to die. Because there is a cut of the flow of oxygen into the body, into the cells. So there is, because of the shortage of supply of oxygen, death now begins to happen. That is what happens to the spiritual life. When you step out of love, you step out of life. And when you step out of love, you know what happens? Weakness begins to set in. Because a new law is now, you have entered into a new realm where a new law is operative and a new law is at work. 
It is the law of sin and death. If you step out of love and weakness set in, and with time sickness set in, it can even lead to death. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me show you the way to step out of love. <laughs> One of the easiest ways is not walking in love by the things you say. By your mouth, by your lips. The things you say. Praise God. Alright. Now the Bible says that in he that covereth a matter seeketh Proverbs 17 verse 9. Proverbs 17 verse 9. He that covered a transgression, seeketh love. Yeah, it's transgression. But he that repeated a matter, separated the reference. Now, he that covered a transgression, seeks love. Now, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> One of the proofs that you're walking in love is that when someone does something, and it's wrong, you don't go saying it. You don't go saying it. One of the ways to step out of love is to start saying and talking about people's mistakes and the wrongs people have done. It's deadly. You step into that is the cause of your weakness, actually. Sometimes the weakness occurs three weeks later. I'm not saying every week you should come weak, just begin to think, have I really, really no, no, that's not what I'm saying. But this is a serious matter I want to bring your mind on. Let me tell you a story. Something that happened. I had a story of A.A. Allen. How many of you have heard of A.A. Allen? Now, how many of you have read God's Generals? He was it's one of the God's Generals written by uh, Robert Lydon. A.A. Allen was so powerful that in his days, in his meeting, they could bring a dead body. And they lay the dead body there. Then A.A. Allen would just go around. Morak, Sasha, just like that. Just around and the dead body would rise. He was heavily anointed. But you read God's generals, it tells us that the man fell into alcoholism and he was a drunkard and he died. But the truth came out a few years ago. Very few years ago. That the thing is not true. Actually, it was a Christian denomination that paid a doctor $10,000 to kill him. In America, a Christian denomination paid him $10,000 to kill him. Why? Because when the doctor was in his 90s, he confessed to A. Allen's granddaughter and gave him the check. The check was still with him. He couldn't spend it. Give her the check that I was paid by the so-and-so denomination to kill your grandpa. They actually injected him with alcohol and wrote the report that he, he was a drunkard secretly and that is what killed him. Severe alcoholism or something like that. So the man confessed before he died. So, there's this great man of God by name Bobby Connor. I don't know what you've heard of Bobby Connor. So powerful. He's a prophet. Those guys who, who just visit heaven like their hometown. <laughs> he, he didn't know about the story. So Bobby Connor was teaching in the Bible school and he was quoting from God's generals how A. Allen fell so that they don't follow his example. So he was just quoting from the story. After the Bible school session, he went to his hotel room. When he got there, Jesus walked to the room and said, you lied concerning my servant. 
Jesus said, you lie concerning my servant. Why did you lie concerning my servant? If you come, if you come home, you'll see he was never like that. He was a righteous man. And Jesus was testifying about him. Then Bobby Connor said, Lord, I read from my book. I'm just quoting from the book. <laughs> and the Lord said, no, he wasn't like that. It was a Christian mafia that, that killed him. Christian mafia, yes. <laughs> it's serious, bro. The Christian mafia that killed him. Can you imagine? Mm. So look at how, how serious it is. By just repeating what is in the book, the Lord appeared. How about those of us who have spoken things? <laughs> One day, some church members went to Kenny Hagen to complain about their pastor. Apparently, their pastor had, had done something very ro- terribly wrong. So when he, he sat down with Kenny Hagen and they asked Kenny Hagen what he did, is it right? Kenny Hagen said, no, it wasn't, it's not right. But he didn't comment. But he agreed with them. He didn't comment. So Hagen said he went to his room. When he went to his room, it was as if the sun had entered. He said more, something more than the sun. The room was so brightened, more than, more than the sun. Most like the sun entered into his room. And Jesus spoke. And the Lord spoke in a very hard way. Rebuking him for having spoken against his servant. And he said, Lord, I didn't do it. I didn't say anything against him. But you agreed with them. Agreeing, you agreed with them. The Lord was then. Why did you speak against my servant? The Lord said, if you were in that condition, you couldn't have excelled the way he excelled. Hey, a certain pastor divorced his wife and rejoined her. Went to, as if he was speaking about it. Be, the Lord appeared to me and said, if you were, if he has done well to keep his marriage, than you have done. Though you are in peace. Yes. And he was enjoying his marriage. But um, the other guy, Whose marriage is broken? The Lord said, His marriage is better than His own. <laughs> so you can't judge from the human perspective. How many of you know Bob Jones? Bob Jones is one of the greatest prophets America has ever seen since America was founded. Yeah, one of the remarkable prophets in the history of the powerful. That's Regina's spiritual father. Bob Jones was. Um, in fact, he died three times before he finally died. Oh, this is a typical prophet. I mean, prophet, prophet. And you know those people. <laughs> One day he was ministering, the power of God was manifested so strongly. Nobody in the church could stand up. The power was so strong. When he went to his hotel, a pastor in the church came to, went to him and told him that, oh, and quoted what another pastor said concerning him wrongly. Apparently, someone has spoken, ill spoken against Bob Jones. So the pastor was quoting, the pastor in the church was quoting to Bob Jones what the other pastor had said. Bob Jones said his flesh responded. When he heard, he said, his ministry is going nowhere. He said the instant he said his ministry is going nowhere, he heard an audible voice from the Lord. The instant those five words, came out of his lips. The Lord said, you just released my power to destroy your brother's ministry. You just released my power to destroy your brother's ministry. For this reason, you are going to become become sick. One man for every word you have spoken. 
So five months he was down. For everywhere, because he spoke five words. <laughs> so you, know, you see what is happening? You just release my power to destroy your body's ministry. And the man was down, severe sickness. Because <laughs> now he's stepping to the flesh where Satan is God. Yeah. And that is deadly. But you may say that, oh, but me, I've been doing nothing that's happening to me. You know why? If we do that, God cannot entrust authority to us. Authority. No. You see the way God has given away the poor authority? And some of the men are great, Pastor Chris, and do some of this. God cannot entrust us with authority if we speak anyhow. Other than that, we will use authority to destroy and not to build up, not to edify. Yeah. You just got offended, you release the power to destroy. I like it when David prayed and said, Oh Lord, keep that door of my mouth. It's a good prayer to pray. Can I pray that prayer right now? Oh Lord, keep the door of my mouth. David prayed that prayer. Come on, oh Lord, keep the door of my mouth. Oh Lord, keep the door of my mouth. Keep the door of my mouth. Thank you, Jesus. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 3. Let's read verse 14. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, and your feet are swift to shed blood. Distraction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. Okay, let's start from verse 12. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is in their lips. You see, whose mouth is full of... Okay. Now, in Romans 3, Paul was giving a legal ground basis for our justification. He's saying that he brought everyone under sin, concluded everyone under sin, because he's, he was proven that everyone needs justification. So everyone is sinned. Now, He's proven why we need justification and he gave us 14 grand indictment against the human race. Why we are all corrupt, why we have all sinned, and why we all need a savior. Now he mentioned different parts of the bodies where sin, different parts of the body which became like a physiological structure, an administrative center where sin exerted its influence. The Bible calls that the body of sin. The body of sin means that, you know, sin needs a body to operate. So sin uses your eyes to lust, uses your mouth to lie, uses your hands to steal, uses your leg to go to the wrong places. Sin uses the body. So in this place, he's talking about their feet and different parts of their bodies. But when it came to the mouth, he used four different expressions to describe our speaking. So he said, their mouth is... Now, let's go back to verse 13. So he spoke of their throat, their tongues, their, their throat. Their tongue, their lips, the next verse, their mouth is the same thing. It's all about our speaking. So, you know why what the argument is making? The place where the fall of Adam had its greatest impact is in our speaking. One of the visible proof that we need justification, we need to be saved, is our mouth. <laughs> so, sin actually, <laughs> this is the headquarters for sin. 
Because a tongue is a world of iniquity. It has its greatest impact. So listen, if you go to a church and you want to see the degree of the divine life, of, of the work of God in the church, how far, how far they have gone, how far they have been raised, how far they have been groomed, how far the word of God has taken effect in that congregation, you know what you can use to check what they say. What they say. What they say. In the same way, if you want to see how far they are from growth, how weak they are from growth spiritually, if you want to see a congregation, if you want to measure their spiritual weakness, their carnality, or whatever, see what they say. So, what they say reveals either their growth or their immaturity or their maturity. When I was a child, I speak as a child. You see, speaking is the proof. That is why when you come to love economy, the name itself is love economy. You see, two days ago, a certain man of God came to Accra and he, he said something to me. He said, ah, I've realized that. So he met Pastor T, he met Prophet Eden, he met Pastor Michael, he met so many people. I mean, he says that, oh, this family is a very unique family because he's realized that you, he said, we never say anything ill about anyone. Uh, we've never even recognized it because we are, we are living our life. So uh, we've, I've realized it. So I've now gathered my people and give them, giving them the testimony he had from us and teaching them how to, how to live. Hallelujah. I just came amongst us. So I was happy when I heard that testimony. It's great. So, but when you come among and there's this little, little gossip here and there, little, little complaining and murmuring here and there, Speaking against leadership, this one speaking against this one, pretends. When we see, when we see ill speaking, it's a revelation that there's a deep work to be done. Obviously, we may not never get 100% perfection. We may, but that doesn't mean we should not. But, <laughs> so if we are working in love, what we say is what matters. What we say. Praise God. Because you see, <laughs> If you think you are growing in the Lord, it's not your tongue speaking. If you think you are growing in the Lord, it's not your Bible reading. If you say you are matured, let me be with you for three hours and let me see what you see. That's a proof. Uh-huh. The things you say about others, the things you say, the conclusions you make, what comes out of your mouth, because out of the heart, abundance of the heart, speak at the mouth also. That shows what has filled your heart. That shows the content of your heart. So what you say is very, it actually reveals who you are. Whether the work of redemption has taken effect in your heart. Whether you have been perfected is what you say. It's what you say. Actually, when I meet you, by the time you speak for <laughs> two minutes, I know who you are. I can actually write a lot about you, but I will not tell you. I also... <laughs> It doesn't mean I'm, I'm measuring you. Because I know I'm imperfect and I'm seeing an imperfect man. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so, that is why on the day of Pentecost, you know why, why was the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Holy Ghost given until Jesus was glorified? You see, Jesus had to die. He had to resurrect. He had to ascend before the Spirit was given. He had to ascend before the Spirit was given. 
because it is in the ascension that he was exalted. When he resurrected and ascended, he sat at the right hand of God. Now, the resurrection is not his glorification. These are different things. If the resurrection was his glorification, the earth would have, be, would have bent at his present. Because the sun, look at the sun, 93 million miles away, yet we are running away from its heat. And the sun reflects God's created glory. What about the son of righteousness himself? The one who has the uncreated glory. <laughs> Whose countenance is as the sun shineth in its strength. Why is it as the sun? Because there's no comparison to that. So the earth would have melted at once in his glory. So he had to be glorified when he ascended. Therefore, being at the right hand of God and exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed forth this, which ye see and hear. So he had to be exalted. He had to be glorified. He had to be made Christ and Lord for the Spirit to be given. Because the Spirit descended to testify of his glorification, his exaltation, and of his lordship. So if he had not been made lord or exalted, the Spirit couldn't have come. What was he come to testify? He had to be exalted. He had to be made lord. He had to be glorified for the Spirit to come and testify of his glorification, his exaltation, and his lordship. So the Spirit came to testify of him and to reveal him. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rational mighty wind and sat upon each of them. Praise God. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak. Now, when the Holy Ghost came, the first place it got hold of was their tongues. That's the first place. And what appeared was clothing tongues like as of fire. Why? Because that's the greatest impact of man's fall. So, where sin abound, the grace did much more abound. So, where sin had its greatest impact, the grace of God located the same place. Where? Where it speaks of location. The same place the grace of God was abundant. So, the tongue can no man tame. Every animal has been tamed. The Holy Ghost came so that the tongue can be tamed. So that you can have dominion over your speaking and not your speaking having dominion over you. So you can control what to say and what not to say. Because you have the Holy Ghost in you and you can speak the way. The power of speak. The more you speak in tongues, the more you have the power to tame your tongue, actually. So the Bible says in, in, in James 3 verse 4 that the tongue is like the rudder in a vessel, in a ship. The helm, this gigantic ship, this mega ship is led about, navigated by a very small helm. And the Bible said it's the tank. Look at the body. Yet the body is led about by a, the tank, which is very small. So if you control the tank, you control the body. So the Bible says we should yield our members as instruments unto God and from righteousness to holiness. How do you yield our members, our body part? If you yield that little member, all the rest of your body will be yielded. Because that member controls the rest of the body. What I'm trying to say is that if your speaking is correct, the Bible says if any man is able to bridle his tongue, the same is a perfect man. And able also to bridle his whole body. So maturity is revealed, the same is a matured man in what you say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, my God. The Bible says, he that covereth transgression seeketh love. Your brother has done something so shameful. If you are working in love, you cover him. No matter what he has done. If you cover him or her without exposing him, you are seeking love. The person insulted you or something. Seeking love. 
Do you know that in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7, the Bible says, love beareth all things. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7, love beareth all things. The word is stigo. Stigo means to cover a roof. To cover a roof. Love to cover the love covers to cover a roof. This is someone whose roof is not covered, to cover it for him. And first Peter 4, verse 8: above all things, have fervent charity among yourself, for charity shall cover a multitude of sin. So it covers. And we're always talking about uh, so this person's failure, what this person has done, this, this person should have done, and this so and so, and this church, and this man of God. And have you heard it? We are manifesting the dynamic life, the fallen life. That's what we are doing. It's the last of the flesh. That's why sometimes gossip can be sweet. <laughs> but there's nothing as sweet as calling someone and asking, Have you heard? Hmm. The person responds, hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the person shakes the head. Hmm. It's so sweet. The craving is so strong. You want to continue, and it's nice. But after you continue, you see that you are, you are, you are dried up. There's, there's a leakage of life. You know, you, you know it. You sense it from within. It's like a senseless sense. There's a dissipation of life. You, you know it. That's why when you get to the room, Something has happened. Come out. The thing is not coming out. It's just in a shortage of life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When the life is not flowing, just open your Bible. There's no light. You haven't been sleeping. You just, there was a leakage of life. Yes. The Bible says, neither give the devil a place. Ephesians 4.27. NIV says, neither give the devil a foothold. <laughs> you know what it means? The word is topos. Where we get the word topography. You know, topography. <laughs> if you give the devil a foothold, he can build a skyscraper. <laughs> because he knows how to ut- utilize the, the land. A land. He will build a skyscraper from that little place. <laughs> hmm. Skyscraper. Because a step out of love is a step in the flesh. And in the flesh, Satan is God. So don't get there. That one of the reasons many are weak in the church is because they are not, they are gossiping too much. They are ill-speaking and weak. So they are declaring that nothing is happening. Because they have to learn to judge themselves. Yeah. God sent Canadian to go and want a man of God to judge himself how he handles other ministers. Yeah. I, I heard of the story of two families. The first family, they were very spiritual. In fact, they are, all of them were leaders in the church. Very prayerful, very dedicated, very committed. I mean, dedication be what? But the second family, they are not, they are, spiritually, they are not serious at all. They go to church once in a while, you know, a kind of, but you know what was happening? The serious family, they were always getting sick. And they were always getting financial problems and crisis. But the unserious one, they were always being blessed. And so they never understood why we are committed to God. 
they even became embittered. And why these people? They go to church all right, but their commitment is not, it's not like ours. Notice, the secret was that though they were spiritual, they were very unforgiving. They found it hard to forgive. They, they kept, they were embittered, they were full of offenses, they lingered, they kept issues in their hearts, repeated it to themselves, you know, animosity, hatred. But the other family that were not so serious, they, they always let go. You offend them, they just let go. They, they wouldn't even keep anything. <laughs> and they were getting blessed. You know why? When you walk in unforgiveness, you know what is happening to you. You know Matthew 28, Matthew 18, the story that is there. For want of time, uh, because of time, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't read it. But I know you all know the story of the two guys who owed their master. One of them owed, the Amplified Version says that um, it's 10,000 talents. Amplified inter- interpret that as $10 million. Yeah, you see, $10 million. So he went out, he owed the master $10 million. So the master forgave him. And he went out and saw someone owing him $20. The next verse. The next verse again. So you know what happened? Uh-huh. But let me show you what happened. The next verse. The next verse. Okay. I forgive and cancel all that great debt of yours because you begged me to. The next one. And should you not have had pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you? Okay. In wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers till he should pay Say the torturers. King James says tormentors. Well, what happened is that God has forgiven all our sins. But if we don't forgive each other, you know what comes upon us? Legally, on legal basis, we are released to torturers or tormentors on legal basis. Look at the next verse. As a proof of what I'm saying, the next verse. So also, my Heavenly Father will deal with every one of you if you, you do not freely forgive your brother from your heart his offenses so what happened is that if someone has offended you and you are holding on and not forgiving though the father has forgiven you you are released to torturers or tormentors you know torturers tormentors one of, one of them is called sicknesses sickness the other one is called disease <laughs> the other one is called demonic oppression the other one is called financial crisis <laughs> torturers Tormentors. Why? Because of something little. You are not letting go. Because if you don't let go, you are. <laughs> Can you imagine? You have imprisoned yourself. Eh? Yeah. He was imprisoned not because of the ten thousand dollars, but because of the twenty dollars. Why will you be imprisoned because of twenty dollars? So forgiveness is a prison. Forgiveness is a prison. So, brethren, forgive everyone. Because you see, you yourself, you are hindering your blessing. That's everything. So please let go. No matter what has happened. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. 
Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.